Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One is Mark and John's the other. They're just friends. They are not lovers. Welcome to Two Old Queens. I'm John Flynn. I'm Mark Rennie. Mark, I am so excited for our guest this week. So please let everyone know who's joining us. He's the host of the podcast gayest episode ever. It's Drew Mackey. Yay. Yay. Hello. 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 <laughs> I almost feel like your podcast is like a spiritual sister. Yeah, you guys are doing the movie version of what we're doing, and we just go about it a very different way, but same end result of trying to find the gayest version of a thing. Do you have, <laughs> like, is there a current reign this is the gayest episode of anything? No. Given the name of the podcast, you think we would have put that in place from the beginning, but we didn't. Now you guys did it so we can't because we'd be ripping you off. Sure. Not, yeah, because yeah. we invented a, a sort We of invented list. lists. Yeah. <laughs> you did. And <laughs> numbers. And, and we're very True. litigious about it, too. So anyone else who tries <laughs> yeah. to do it, we send our legal team after them. Pretty That's aggressively. We, we drove Casey Kasem off the air. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Not a fan of Casey? <laughs> now that he's dead, I feel a lot. He's dead. He died, right? He's dead. Yes. 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 Yeah. I feel. I feel. I feel better about him now. Oh. There's that great audio of him like losing his shit. Have you ever heard that? Oh, oh he yeah. Has to, like read a dedication like to like a set about someone's dog dying or something, and he's like, "Don't <laughs> give me this shit to read." Then I gotta go into introducing like Pointer Sisters or something. Yeah. It was just like he was like losing his mind at that. Was that when he was actually losing his mind, or um, much, maybe, much I mean... before? <laughs> It's tough to track some of those things sometimes. So are there any particular TV shows that even though there aren't officially the gayest ones feel like they're in the have like higher status? Dinosaurs. Really? Okay. The TGIF sitcom with people in giant uh, dinosaur suits. They do a gay episode where the sun experiments with being an herbivore. And it is an extended (laughs) gay metaphor that went over the heads of every child watching it and watching it today. I've not talked to anyone who watched it as a kid and was like, that's gay. 
Um, but it's very clear once you're a gay adult, you're like, I can see what they're doing. It's very successful and it's very subversive that they got that on TGIF. They're the only show to actually do a gay episode on TGIF. All right, then. There, has a, there was uh, Full House. How many years in San Francisco? <laughs> yes, um, like eight years, seven years. Um, there is an episode with a little boy who's Michelle's age who grew up to be a very attractive gay man, and he plays what is very clearly a gay child. I think we're going to talk about that one maybe in the not-too-distant future. Okay, okay. okay. I mean, the, uh, the they never went to, like, the Folsom Street Fair as a family yeah. on Full House? <laughs> not once. <laughs> no one ever hit on John Stamos? That's crazy. Which And no one ever thought it was weird that these three men were raising children together, and maybe that's why no one thought it was weird. Everyone just presumed yeah, it like, didn't oh, They blended right they're, in. Yeah. They're a thruple, yeah. Mm -hmm. A chosen family. Mm -hmm. The original chosen family. Nobody should say. No, <laughs> not about that show. Um, do you believe in um like uh dreams? Like you're like, I mean, you believe they exist, I'm sure. But do you do you um when you like have are you want someone who likes to unpack your dreams or like, oh, this means something like this symbol, you know, like a Freudian interpretation? I find them to be very fascinating. I have gotten to the point in my life where I realize they probably don't mean anything. And I try not to talk to other people about them because when you sure. tell you, it's the worst conversation. It's like a yes. story that doesn't go anywhere. But um, yeah, I've had the weirdest fucking dreams that have stuck with me for years and years. And I can't explain why they're so interesting. I think it's because your brain invents something you did not give it permission to do. And you're just like, oh, that was quite a level of autonomy you decided that you had last night. Okay. <laughs> Um, and could like horrify you or um, depress you or gross you out. And you still have to take responsibility for it. Because it's still you. Yeah. Right. You did yeah. it. You can't complain. You can't complain to the manager. <laughs> or you thought the... those things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always said to think like it's the emotion you felt is the important thing. Like if you're feeling, I was feeling anxiety. I was feeling stressed or I was feeling, you know what? I feel that's more important than, because I feel like you feel the emotion. Then your brain's like, uh, here's the material. We got to do something with this. Uh, it's a way to deal with it or express it. <laughs> yeah. We need to make a setting for it. That makes sense. I do have one dream that was not memorable because of emotion, and I can explain it in like 30 seconds or less, so I won't bore you with it. Do I, <laughs> right? do I, have, do I have your permission? Yeah. Of course. of course. You know on The Simpsons how Homer sings the wrong lyrics to songs all the time? Yes. Sure. So I had that stuck in my head, like a, a time when he was singing the wrong lyrics or something. It was stuck in my head all day, couldn't get out of my head. All of a sudden I realized, I'm like, wait, what episode was that? And I realized, oh fuck, I dreamed that. That is not an actual episode of The Simpsons. It was stuck in my head all day, something my brain invented, and I just assumed it was real. And as soon as I realized that, it left my head, and I could not remember the melody anymore. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> That's not fair. <laughs> no. That's why you have to keep a dream journal. <laughs> I should have written down the like the sheet music for the, yeah. the song he sang. Yeah. A dream sheet journal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I used to have like a dream where like in the dream, like I told a funny joke, but I, and then I'm morning, I can't, I, when I wake up, I can't remember because I think in the dream, I just had the sensation of you told Everyone a funny joke. You. Yeah. <laughs> you charmed the room. Yay. <laughs> I have never had that dream. You got to. <laughs> Treat yourself to that dream. Okay. <laughs> Read a book of uh, truly tasteless jokes right before bed. <laughs> it's perfect. Uh, speaking of dream interpretation, possibly, maybe. Potentially. Potentially. Yeah, sure. Today, we're talking about Mulholland Drive. John, what's the deal with Mulholland Drive? Mark, let me tell you the deal with Mulholland Drive. 
It was written and directed by David Lynch. It tells the story of an inspiring actress named Betty Elms, newly arrived in Los Angeles, who meets and befriends an amnesiac woman recovering from a car accident. The story follows several other vignettes and characters, including a Hollywood film director. It stars Naomi Watts, Laura Haring, Justin Thoreau, Ann Miller, Mark Pellegrino, and Robert Forster. It was released on October 12, 2001, made $20.1 million off a budget of $15 million. Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times, who had previously been dismissive of Lynch's work, awarded the film four stars and said, David Lynch has been working toward Mulholland Drive all of his career. And now that he's arrived there, I forgive him for Wild at Heart and even Lost Highway. The movie is a surrealist dreamscape in the form of a Hollywood film noir. And the less sense it makes, the more we can't stop watching it. And he subsequently added it to his great films list. Lynch won the Best Director Award at Cannes Film Festival and was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Director. And Mulholland Drive was named the best film of the decade by the Los Angeles Film Critics Association, Cachet de Cinema, IndieWire, Slant Magazine, Reverse Shot, The Village Voice, and Time Out New York. And that is the deal with Mulholland Drive. So Drew, we asked you to pick a movie to discuss why Mulholland Drive. I picked this because it is my favorite movie and I will never hesitate to talk about it if I get the chance. But also I think it is a lot more queer than people remember for some reason, even though queerness drives this entire film in various different ways. And I feel like I want to, I, I, it should deserve a bigger place in the queer canon than it has now. How many times right. have you seen it, do you think? Like, um, I would say probably, oddly less often since I moved to Los Angeles, but um, probably to home. 25 or 30 times in my life. Wow. Okay. It, it, it's like looking at a really odd painting and every time you look at it, you notice something else that you didn't notice before. Yeah. True. Mm -hmm. It's like a, a really nice lasagna. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, John, what's your, uh, what do you, what do you make a Mulholland Drive? Well, uh, similar to Drew, it is my husband's favorite movie. And so when we first started dating, he was, I had not seen it. He was like, you have to watch Mulholland Drive. So it was one of those things where I watched it sort of trepidatious because I was like, sure. oh, we first started dating. So I was like, oh, if he doesn't, if I don't like this, this could be the end. I think it is great. I think it's a, a fascinating, totally weird. I totally could understand watching it 25 to 30 times and still finding new things. I Last night when I saw it again was probably my fourth time watching it but it was also uh, during quarantine i also had not seen twin peaks at all and that was one of my husband's oh. favorite shows so we spent part of quarantine doing a binge of all of that so it was nice to go back to Mulholland drive after seeing twin peaks and sort of seeing the similarities and understanding mm -hmm. just having absorbed more of david lynch as a not filmmaker but because it's a tv show but you know what i mean it's a, it's, it's a filmic tv show exactly yes yeah. so yeah i think it is fascinating interesting and i enjoy it very much so <laughs> when you watched it when brian showed it to you the first time was he one of those people who's like watching you watch it like say now watch this watch this watch this part. no he Are was not watching? he was very respectful okay, very good. that's nice that's nice <laughs> yeah. i also think david lynch doesn't require that it was funny while watching twin peaks there were definitely times where i would be like well, what is this? Like, but what about that? Or hold on, but didn't this happen early? And he at one point was like, it's never going to make sense. Like, right. it's not one of those things where ultimately everything's going to wrap up and connect and make sense. And so you have to let go of that a little bit. It somewhat does, but for the most, you know, David Lynch is working from a more of an instinctual place or subconscious place. So if so, you once I shut off the part of my brain that was like, so if that person's this, and what does this mean? And what is that? Which I know because you love, love to do plot. That. Plot is the fa your favorite thing about every movie is the plot. <laughs> well, not when it's bad. Um, but yeah, I, it does sometimes frustrate me when things have huge holes in them. But once I sort of let go, it, it was fun going back to Mulholland Drive knowing that completely. 
Now, if only you could do that with Alien Covenant. If only. <laughs> How about you, Mark? What are you bringing uh, to Mulholland Drive? Uh, I've seen it a few times, like two or three, but I hadn't seen it in maybe like 10, 15 years. And boy, does it hold up. It's so fun. And like, <laughs> um, I thought it made more sense. I don't know. I was, you're never, I mean, it is like weird, but it's never like confusing. I don't think that you're never like, in some ways, like, yeah, some things don't make sense, but you don't, it doesn't matter. But all the emotion, like, it's so like emotional, like the Yorano, Yorano, uh, mm -hmm. I can't say it. Yorando. Crying, Yorando. <laughs> Yo so Yorando. Mm -hmm. um, like, people sometimes say, like, Lynch is like cold and off putting, but this is like just packed with like emotion. I mean, it just hits these like almost like operatic heights at times. Um, a lot, a lot of sexy passion, too. A yeah. lot of passion, yeah. <laughs> a lot of naked ladies, I, but I, treated I, I, tastefully. I mean, um, we, we, can talk, we can talk that out. No, oh, we will. <laughs> I, I like that you guys both like it because I've had a bad, I think I'm batting 500 on showing this movie to people. And I just realized that some people were like, oh, this is art. I'm into it. It made me think. And some people were just like, that was terrible. I hate it. And you can't convince them that it's better than they think. It's just not, a, it's a non-starter. I mean, but it's like never boring is the other thing. Like every scene is interesting. There's always something, there's either like a weird performance uh, or there's like just some like a generally scary moments at times. Right. I agree with you completely, but I also understand there are times where if you don't understand what's going on in a movie, it can be very frustrating. And it can also make you feel stupid and like people don't mm -hmm. like to feel stupid. And so I could get, I could understand why someone would feel frustrated with David Lynch. There were there was parts of Twin Peaks that I was uh, sort of impatient and frustrated by, which granted is a different thing, but I it makes sense to me that some people really don't respond to his his stuff. Did did you know that this began as a spin-off to Twin Peaks? Yes, for uh what's her name? Audrey. Audrey, that's right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, names. we don't need to like do a battle of Twin Peaks trivia over Oh, here. you will win. Drew will win. <laughs> so some some people don't know that. I like to tell them it's a nice little connection. That isn't also I feel like if I don't understand something, I don't blame the movie. I don't get mad. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like it's fine. I don't have to understand everything. That's okay. You're a much better person than everyone else, Mark. We've established that completely. <laughs> but I could understand someone at the end of the movie being like, well, what about sealing that that uh black book? And what about this character? And who are those open like all of that makes sense to me? But I think you have to sort of with David Lynch, you have to know you're gonna have those questions and it's okay. And it's right. not because you're dumb or because you didn't figure something out. Right, I think especially with this movie, yeah. there were probably some scenes that if it had been a TV series, like some storylines would have developed and gone on more. Mm -hmm. Whereas sure. uh, obviously in a movie, they didn't. We need to know more about this Sylvia North story. What's her deal? <laughs> yeah. How was she I famous? I read that movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Drew, as you may or may not know, but I suspect you do, we are looking for the gayest movie ever. So we have a very complex and Byzantine scoring system with which to judge them. So we're going to go through a ton of categories. And at one point, you are going to come up with a category, and it will be added, added to, to the, the wheel. wheel. Does that make sense right now? No, but it will later, just like Mulholland Drive. Um, anyway. <laughs> So here's our current top five gayest movies ever. Uh, this is their percentage. So number five with an 89.03%, The Wizard of Oz. Number four with an 89.70%, The Apple. Number three with an 89.81%, The Rocky Horror Picture Show. Number two with a 92.99%, The Bride of Frankenstein. And number one with a 94.83%, Female Trouble. So Drew, if you had to guess now, how well do you think Mulholland Drive is going to do? 
I'm rooting for it to hit in the 70s, uh, if I'm lucky. I do not foresee that it's going to break into the top five. That's a really fucking solid top five. But (laughs) I I don't want it to fail horribly, but it might. I'm okay with that, too. (laughs) Well, I don't think think we're in um, uh, When Harry Met Sally, Kramer versus Kramer territory. (laughs) Wait, did did someone pick Kramer versus Kramer? Of course. Pam Murphy, the nitwit. As a joke, specifically because it was would not do no. well. No, okay. <laughs> she didn't quite understand the assignment, as it were. <laughs> okay, okay. She hadn't listened to the podcast beforehand. Well, Let's it was best supporting. I believe that was during best supporting actress month. Oh, right. In her I mean, defense, maybe so. Sure. Maybe the Pickens that's the were gayest slim. movie that has a. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the first group of categories are the canon categories. So for these, we're each going to give it a score between zero and a hundred. Then we'll take the average of all three of our scores. So. The first category, Drew, how would you rate Mulholland Drive on a scale of zero to 100 in actual gay characters? Well, there's at least two, maybe four. Four? (laughs) Maybe five? True. Depending on how you break it down. The lady at the very strangely uh, placed dinner party with the two long tables? That was so weird. The host has his back to the other table? So weird. Um, (laughs) Camille... Camilla, Camilla number two. I think that's Camilla number two. And then Rita, Betty, and uh, uh, Diane. Yeah, that's, I think I'm going to say five lesbians, which is pretty good. True. We should point out that in two of those cases, it is the same actress playing two different roles. Allegedly. Allegedly. Okay. Yeah. So where do you stand on that? So I guess we should talk about that. So Mulholland Drive is sort of famous for like some people don't know. Like it, it becomes a different movie, sort of the last third of it, I would say. And mm-hmm. some people think it is the first part of the movie was a dream sequence that sets up the third part. Some people think that that's not true. Uh, David Lynch has notoriously not answered any questions because he likes people asking questions and not knowing. Right. He didn't even tell the actresses. So like, what do you think? Do you have any theories on all of that? I mean, I go with David Lynch where he says, you know, you have to think about and decide what it is for yourself. Like, don't listen to anyone else. Just like watch it and have an honest reaction. And my honest reaction is it's five different performances. Uh, uh, Laura Herring and Naomi Watts are playing two very different characters. So I'm going to yeah. say that counts as four characters. All right. And then there's the blonde lady uh, she makes out with at the dinner table. Yes, Melissa yeah. George. Very, you are very good with these <laughs> you have You have seen this 25 <laughs> to 30 times. times. <laughs> um, yeah, I would say that's a lot because there are, there are different people technically. There are different characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think, John? I think, yes. I don't, I mean, I don't know. I do sort of like because so many of the details in the first two thirds of the movie are sort of overlapped in the final third. So I don't feel like they're completely different. I feel like they're definitely, they connect in some ways and like characters and like relationships. There's I, there's something there that doesn't feel to me. Like, like Rita is a version different. of Camilla essentially. Exactly. And you know, Betty and Diane, like Diane, Betty might be what Diane wishes she was or like mm-hmm. rewriting her own past. That's a common theory, but yeah. I mean, it, it's also, what, how do you feel about the representation of them as lesbians? Because I feel like that's something that's not right away. Like, they don't come out and say they're lesbians at the beginning. They do end up being in a, you know, same-sex yeah, relationship or at least having sex. One of them, yeah. It, yeah, so I guess that I overspoke. Like, it, it's okay. They're queer They're queer women. Like, they're they're probably all bi. We shouldn't erase bi people. They're, they're, not, they're not straight, based on True, what we yes. No. <laughs> In this town, <laughs> no one is really. But then it is kind of like the cliche. There has been some criticism that is the cliche of like the one lesbian leaving another for a man. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's kind of like a stereotype. 
And I also thought it was definitely directed by a straight man. Like their love scenes to me felt very, not totally gross, but just sort of like not, I don't know. It didn't feel like a- I, you, It never to felt me, lazy to wasn't. me though. It felt a little bit to me, but I think David Lynch, well, I also noticed in the movie, like he loves his women to wear clothes that are impossibly tight, mm-hmm. like so fitted on their body mm-hmm. that it, is sort of like makes no sense. Like if they had had a glass of water, they would have had to change outfits because- Where do you see Charlie's Angels, John? Gonna (laughs) blow your mind. So what do you want to give this for actual gay characters? Since it's, they're in the main character, I'm going to give them an 80 since the two main characters are essentially queer. 80. I'll go 70. 70. Uh, I'll go 77. That's most of the movie, given an average of 75.67, which is about 13 points higher than Waiting for Guffman. Pretty good. Yeah. yeah. All right, our next category, drag queen inspiration. Could a drag queen watch Mulholland Drive and come away with a whole book of ideas? Yes, I Definitely. say yes. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I mean, you got Ann Miller, first of all. Everything Every- Ann Miller's doing. Anything, yes. I mean, like her makeup is very drag queen. Uh, Rebecca Del Rio. Classic, could have been a drag queen. Just that whole number at Club Silencio is like kind of a whole drag. Like we're acknowledging the illusion. This is all recorded. That's all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It is a lip sync with a dead drop at the end. Yes. (laughs) A literal (laughs) dead drop. Yeah. (laughs) And the Uh, woman with the blue hair and the balcony. She, I call her lady, Mrs. Silencio. She's great. Yeah. (laughs) And um, also the terrifying homeless man is played by a woman. There you go. All right. Is that supposed to be someone, a character from the, is that supposed to, or we don't know? Um, no, she only plays that character in it. We don't see her as anything else other than the homeless person. I don't know why she was cast as that, but it is a woman who's acted in other movies. And once you <laughs> see that she's that, whenever you see her in something else, you're like, oh no. <laughs> oh, something weird's gonna happen. Yeah. <laughs> I also thought there's something very drag to me about using your purse as a pillow. <laughs> Had like drag queen energy to me. (laughs) Just having a hat box. Yeah. Betty and her pink diner waitresses. I also thought a pink, a a dress splattered in pink paint for Justin Thoreau. Yeah. That's a specific look. Oh, all the girls who are auditioning for the Sylvia North story, they're doing lip syncs that are very staged and deliberate and very campy actually. Yeah. Yeah. And they're close. That was a very like highly produced audition. Yeah. Is that is that what auditions look like? I'm not I'm not an actor. Is that is that how they work? <laughs> they don't usually so. have backup singers. Um, they cost you millions of own. dollars. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> that's why they're so hard to get. Uh, there's a lot. I also loved how like Rebecca Del Rio just enters the stage like almost kind of like tottering. Yeah, and then she has like some great makeup, like the teardrop makeup, and like her eye makeup is really fun. Um, also, Rita has a lot of robes. She does. Quite a few robes on display. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what do you want to give this for drag queen inspiration? I'm going to say 90 because we rattled off a whole lot that I want to see happen in the world. And if I give it a high score, maybe it'll become a thing I see one day. <laughs> I see. So will it into existence? You're summoning no. it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mohol and drag could be the theme of the night. Oh, no, I would pay night. money to go to that show, yeah. <laughs> Even in quarantine. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think it's not that, that crazy overall, but I'll go 75. 75. If anything, like the actual, like, you know, like Betty's clothes aren't like nothing. They're pretty much like off the rack, nothing really. Although I did like her pink sweater. Her pink sweater, yeah. But it's uh, some ways like a big, like thematic element of like is kind of more drag queen inspiration. Mm-hmm. So I'll give it a um, 80. I mean, just the fact that they have actual lip syncs and then dropping dead in the middle of your lip sync. True. Right. 
Uh, giving an average of 81.67, which is 17 points higher than best in show. Pretty good. All right, next category, gay icons. Who would write the gay icons in Mulholland Drive? Is Ann Miller, she, she is a gay icon, isn't she? I, I would think say so, so yeah. She's I feel like- and taps, isn't that her? Yeah, but I feel like a lot of uh, gay guys will not know readily who Ann Miller is. If you just say Ann Miller, they won't know to picture this version of her or like the dancey version of her. They'll think like my pharmacist. You yeah. know. <laughs> I mean, I think she is a, a drag queen, like a gay icon to a generation. Like she's not, you know, there's not a lot of Ariana Grande stands and Ann Miller stands. <laughs> True. I mean, yeah. Once to do their homework. Yes. And- <laughs> Also, Lee Grant is in it. She's in Peyton Definitely. Place and Valley of the Dolls. That's true. Yeah, yeah. That's it's surprising that she is in it as briefly as she is playing that. I, I I want to know more about her creepy witch character. I know. Yeah, right? I was hoping to get more of her. Yeah. Um, Naomi <laughs> Watts. A series. I, I don't think Naomi Watts is a, a gay icon, but the fact that she's friends with Nicole Kidman counts for like a point or two. Right? Sure. Yeah, yeah that that's true. Something. And anyone yeah. who's co-starred with King Kong's got to get some points. <laughs> okay. Cool. <laughs> Is there any gay icon? This is a stretch, but I'm just throwing it out there as a topic uh-huh. of conversation. I'm not advocating. Sure, sure. Justin Theroux? I mean, maybe from yeah. The Leftovers. Yeah, in his sweatpants, jogging with sweatpants on. Yeah, yeah. jogging with sweatpants. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's why. He's so not Justin Theroux as we know him now in this movie. He, like, he seems like he's like embryonic version of what he is now or something. It's very strange <laughs> to watch him and just... I don't think he's hot in this movie somehow. I, I don't know what changed, but something did. He's hiding behind those thick frames, I feel like. His clothes are also very baggy, too. It's a lot of gel. It's true. Yeah. It's a lot of strikes against him. Is Does someone think Billy Ray Cyrus is a gay icon? I'm sure someone does. He's definitely camp. Yeah. Right. He's and he seemed... gave birth to Miley Cyrus. Well, not personally, but he, <laughs> right. he took part <laughs> in it. He's part of it, yeah. And anyone who there. made the godmother, Dolly Parton, like that counts for something. Also, not something. unattractive in this movie, and I didn't really realize that until later in my life. I'm like, oh, I kind of get his whole like '90s like pool guy thing. It works. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. mullet and a tank top, uh, yeah. skimming out dead <laughs> bugs out of your pool. What more do you want out of a Friday afternoon? Yeah, if you ran him at a truck stop, you'd go into the men's room. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike most times, I go to the truck stop. <laughs> no, um, thank you. <laughs> Is David Lynch himself a gay icon? The gays do love Twin Peaks. I wouldn't say so. He's it's kitsch, but it's not camp somehow. Yeah, I think his heterosexuality makes it fall short of ever being it's true so strong. Camp. Yeah. yeah, and also Blue Velvet. Woof. Yeah, I love Blue Velvet, but that could be a rough viewing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he literally made a movie called The Straight Story. <laughs> Yawn. So, what do you want to give Mulholland Drive for gay icons? 67. 67. Is Mulholland Drive itself a gay icon? Holmes on the Hollywood Hills? I would say Sunset Boulevard is the gay icon. Sure. Yeah. Streets. Yeah. I will say, you know, I'll say 67 as well. That sounds good. 67. Yeah. You know what? I'll say 67. Why not? We're all in agreement here. Uh, given an average of, you guessed it, 67, making it 1.33 points higher than the sound of music. Okay. Huh. Wow. All that's right. Kind of, that's a kind of surprising. <laughs> you know? That's what happens. My mom only gave it a 50. (laughs) She's tough. (laughs) All right, our next category. The male gaze. How horny is the camera for the male form? Billy Ray Cyrus in a tank top and that's it. David Lynch does not care about handsome men. I do think um, Cookie, the landlord, that white t-shirt, he's kind of hunky. Yeah, nice mustache. 
Nice mustache. I love, you know, who doesn't like a white t-shirt? <laughs> what do you think about Classic. the cowboy? Terrifying. Terrifying. Yeah, weird. weird. I would, yeah. yeah. No upper lip. Real weird. Yeah. No, um, no, no eyebrows either. And when you realize he doesn't have any hair on his entire body, it's an additional unpleasant surprise. Into the- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what do you want to give this for the male gaze? 19. <laughs> a 19. <laughs> Yeah, I'll go 15. Yeah. 15. It's pretty much almost all Billy Ray Cyrus. So I'll give it a 14. Give it an average of 16, which is point 67 points lower than I, Tanya. Huh. All right. Our next category, entrances with pizzazz. We're, we're going to do better on this one. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to do a lot better. We got yeah. that weird burnt homeless woman. The Winkies creep. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Almost the entrance of like the 90s in a lot of ways, in some ways. One of the best uh, entrances of that decade. Literally killed a man by entering. That's something you don't see in movies yeah. that often. Yeah. Uh, c- call me Coco. Everyone does. That's that is how everyone should introduce themselves to all people. Yeah. I also think Naomi Watts when she arrives in LA, just being like so dazzled by it all. Dazzled by LAX in a way that no human has ever <laughs> yes. been dazzled by LAX. Yes. Yes, that is very heightened in terms of performance. Yes. Um, and also Rita, we meet her by getting in a horrible car accident that kills someone. Yeah. That's big. And, but very stylish though. Oh, she's in the back of a limo. What's mm-hmm. her deal? We don't stop here. <laughs> <laughs> Betty has a fun entrance when she comes onto Adam's set. Where he just kind of stops and looks at her. <laughs> Do you feel like if this became a TV show, she would end up being, getting the lead in the movie? That that must have been where this was going, correct? I would think so. I can't I imagine they're going to have this huge movie thing and not ever come back to it. Yeah, I want to know. Because she did. But it also like seems like did it, so it seemed like she there. I it felt very Smash, like David Lynch doing Smash would be this movie. <laughs> I would like to see that. <laughs> Better than the Smash we got. Uh, so yeah, what do you want to give this for entrances with pizzazz? Um, 83. I feel like it had more dramatic reveals than entrances with pizzazz, so I'll go 70. 70. Uh, I'll go, I mean, I love that lady, so I'll give it an 80. Give it an average of 77.67. Pretty good. All right, next category Hell on Heels. This is like feisty women who ain't taking no guff. We got a bunch. We got that secretary who was like, something bit me real bad. I don't think she's a secretary, John. I think she is managing that cleaning supply company. Oh, that okay. is based in that entire office. How dare you? <laughs> How dare I? I apologize. <laughs> but apologize that, to all the managers out there and all the secretaries. That senior <laughs> manager puts up a real good fight. She, she does. does. not go down easily. I <laughs> love that fight scene. Yeah. She's, she's great. I don't know if she's ever so, done anything else, but she should have. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Give her an atomic blonde. <laughs> um, uh, Lorraine, Adam's cheating girlfriend uh, with Miley Cyrus. She's, she's always having to kick people out of her house. <laughs> <laughs> Until we don't see her anymore after the mafia guy goes in. I'm like, but did he kill her? Maybe just he just her. said Maybe one very just... funny overhead punch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like Adam's assistant who's played by Catherine Town. Uh, who like is very horny for him and makes it clear. She oh, has, yeah, like, yeah. Two seconds, but I want to know more about her. Also, her dad wrote Chinatown. Wow. The town. So she grew up really poor. <laughs> yeah, poor yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, thank God she broke through and got something. <laughs> <laughs> Cynthia. Also, Ann Miller. She's, she's pretty like, much she's, Helen Hill. 
she starts out sweet, but I think in the final third, she's a she's a hell on heels. But also when she sees um, Rita, like, I need to talk to you. What's going on here? I don't like this situation. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, true, true. I thought the girl in apartment 12, when they go to that one place, she's like, it's not this apartment. She was sort of, <laughs> I love that. she's like, I don't want to have to deal with you right now. <laughs> Did you, do you guys, you guys recognize where those apartments are, correct? The Walt Disney, the Snow White Cottages. Yes. Right behind Gelson's. <laughs> yes, I drove by them today and I was like, oh yes, we get to talk about how this is like something we drive by every day. It's a very odd thing when you think about it in context of this movie. Because they're easy to miss <laughs> when you drive by. They're smaller than you think. Mm-hmm. And they put up a fence because I think they got tired of Mulholland and Drive fans going in and like fucking with the place. <laughs> yeah, I, would, I, would, yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. <laughs> Breaking into apartment 17. <laughs> Where are those vacancies? Uh, also, Rita pre-accident. It's pretty hell on heels. This isn't where we stop that whole thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And then after, even after the accident, it's some, it, it is a form of hell on heels to walk all the way from Mohan Drive to Hollywood in heels with a concussion. Absolutely. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's that first actress who's auditioning who is like real relentless afterwards. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is my part. I'm going to call you. My manager's going to call you. We're going to call you because this is my part. Give me my part. It's like, ugh. Well, there's also that casting director lady when they're walking oh. uh, Betty to the elevator. It's like, oh, he's an idiot. Oh, don't. She has to explain what being catty is to her. <laughs> We're just saying mean things, but don't take it too seriously. It's nothing to do with you. No. Uh, so what do you want to give this for Hell on Heels? Uh, 84, because it's one more than 83. <laughs> you know that's a good, good logic good logic yeah. i actually speaking of that scene i think that scene that comes right before that when when uh, naomi watts is auditioning in that room at the movie that was the first time i was like when i first saw the movie i was like holy shit that scene is incredible what she does in that scene is such a surprise you don't think she's that good of an actress and she blows you away it's like truly to me like when this movie became i was like oh this movie is incredible like I liked it, I was enjoying it up to that point, but for me at that point, it like transcended. And I think she does, ta- she's kind of hell on heels within that scene, like within the scene that she is auditioning with. I agree, she goes for it in a very big way and doesn't care if it comes off as like too smutty or too much. And also I think it's when all of us realize that Naomi Watts is also a fantastic actress. Yeah, yeah I mean, absolutely. it's saying like it's such a switch from how she is through most of the movie of this like bright eyed, bushy tailed ingenue. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. It's it sort of was like reminded me of we've talked about this in the past of like when there's a movie or TV show where like someone's writing a hit song and like that's like such a huge plot point and then you hear the song and and everyone's like it's a hit and you're like it's fine and <laughs> a hit yeah <laughs> and this was like you know someone be like her audition was amazing but you see and you're like no that was amazing that did blow you away they had to deliver yeah like they do that in delivered. the uh, in the Tim Burton uh, Alice in Wonderland where like the Mad Hatter has to do like I I'm gonna do this dance and you're all gonna love it. it's at the very I forget what it's called. <laughs> But then he does this like dumb dance and it's just stupid. <laughs> and like, this is what we've been waiting for? Two Hold hours? Up to this moment? Uh, yeah, for that, I think for that scene, I'm going to go 93. 93, the year Jurassic Park came out. Indeed it was. Uh, I'll give it a 90. Also, the creepy lady behind Winkies. Did we mention her? True. Hell on heels. Literally, she is hell, is she not? In some ways. <laughs> some mm-hmm. sort of representation of and there's also the little old lady who co- who's always with her little old man harassing Naomi Watts at the very end. I want to know what his directions were for her for the final scene. It was like, you're going to be screaming in Naomi Watts' face until she kills herself. So just like do what comes naturally to you. And yeah. yeah. Did it great, I have to say. They crushed it. <laughs> 
Uh, Given an average of 89 in Hell on Heels, which is nine points uh, lower than I, Tanya, but uh, 66 points higher than Waiting for Guffman. All right, you probably make up a lot of points here, too. This next category, macabre. How macabre is Mulholland Drive? I think it's fairly macabre. <laughs> There's a part where she, Betty finds her own body in the apartment, and it's yeah. a rotted corpse, and that's very macabre. But like, what else? I would is, say so. What else is macabre? A limo accident? <laughs> I honestly didn't write anything down in this movie because I thought this entire movie is macabre. Yeah. Macabre. It's Amnesia, <laughs> sleeping in the bushes. All those murders, okay. uh, Louise Bonner that we're, you know, Lee, Lee Grant just showing up at a door, yeah. just be like, no, there's hell in there. That makes sense. Why did I think Macabre is just like rotting bodies? What's wrong with me? No. Why, why don't I understand what that word means? <laughs> You're a one-track mind. Yeah. Uh, crying while masturbating feels fairly macabre to me. Yeah. That's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like the old couple in the car ride, how they're just grinning after the airport when they're leaving yeah. the airport. Who were those people? Because that wasn't her aunt. She met them on the plane. Mm-hmm. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Also, the boardroom of men when they're like passing around the headshot of the lady, like, no, this is who's going to be in the movie. That's like, oh, creepy. <laughs> and spits up his espresso that he doesn't like. He's disgusted. Give him the right espresso. He has the power. The dancing man from Twin Peaks is the creepy man in the wheelchair who's yeah. doing something yeah. the entire time. We were we are not told. You're no. never going to be a part of the Hollywood machine. Just face it; it's never going to make sense. It's weird, <laughs> and they're awful. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, what do you want to give this for, Macabre? You convinced me. It's I, I should go higher, so I'm going to say eighty nine. Eighty nine. <laughs> I'm going full hundred. A hundred. Like yeah. The creepiest, weirdest movie the whole time. You're going like that. That's the David Lynch of it all, where you're just like something weird's going on. Like there's, there's no an just, air of menace to the entire scene. thing. Like, he loves a diner scene, but it's never just a diner scene. Mm-hmm. There's always something really weird going on. <laughs> yeah, I got to give it a hundred too, because the whole thing's like this poor, sad to me, and anyway, it seems like this poor, sad, obsessed woman's like fantasy of what her life could have been, and then it's not, and then she can't handle her guilt and kills herself. Uh, Given an average of 96.33, which is about 86 points higher than The Wedding Singer. (laughs) Pretty good. (laughs) That checks out, yeah. Uh All right, the next category, dramatic lighting. How dramatic is the lighting in Mulholland Drive? Very. Very. There's a ton, yeah. Yeah, yeah. David Lynch almost exclusively does dramatic lighting. Absolutely. Especially for like a TV thing. Normally you think, oh, an ABC TV show in the 90s, how good is that going to look? But the, all that those sh- shots in like the apartment looks like they're so moody and like there's this indirect lighting from the side. It looks great. Yeah. And and the, the, first the, scene, shot, the shot when she's running down Hollywood, like running down that street mm-hmm. in Hollywood, it looks as beautiful as it's looked in any like real movie. And um, <laughs> it, I just can't get over how, how that my city can look that good sometimes. I don't say it looked that way, but David Lynch did. <laughs> you gotta hire a dp yep <laughs> that's They'll what we all it. need in our life a dp mm-hmm. uh i also like that i scene. mean speak for yourself <laughs> dustin thoreau and the cowboy like when the cowboy leaves the light Flickering. goes out yeah yeah that's really good that blue light at the club silencio mm-hmm. oh yeah now, do and you like, think that blue light was key to look exactly the same as the blue of the cube yes yeah yeah right and there are entire FAQs online with people going back and forth about what that color of blue means. That specific shade, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Also, those headlights. 
very bright. Mm. <laughs> Getting brighter very quickly, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Rogue's room is uh, very uh, moody. Yeah. I also like in the, I forget who Ant picks up the phone, but the there's that fluorescent light on an oh, it's arm. right on top of it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, here's your phone. <laughs> <laughs> and also then once Diane like wakes up, like the lighting is so much like sadder. Everything's yes, less yeah. lush. The first time I saw this movie, my friend was not aware that it was the same actress playing that character. They thought it was a similar looking actress because it looked and felt so different to her. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, that's sort of very Twin Peaksy. Yeah. And her, the name Naomi Watts. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's true. <laughs> She's a dramatic actress. I wanted the whole thing when the old people come back and like she's screaming, there's like it's these flashes. And then the final like 30 seconds of the imagery of the entire movie. Mm -hmm. I'd say it's pretty dramatic. That's pretty dramatic. Very dramatic. So, he's what do you want to give this for dramatic lighting? I feel uncomfortable giving it a hundred, so I'll give it a ninety-nine. <laughs> People have done. You should, you, know, you should feel comfortable. I'll give it a ninety-five. Ninety-five. Uh, I'll give it a ninety-eight. Give an average of ninety-seven point thirty-three, which is the highest we've had in the last fourteen movies, even nice. higher than the Wizard of Oz. Wow. We can just stop right here. I'm done. I'm good. <laughs> you came in for the lighting, and you got your prize. Mm -hmm. <gasps> All right, our next category, vibrato. So for this, in addition to literal vibrato, I mean, anytime they take a moment, give it something extra. It doesn't need it, but you like it. They kind of zhuzh it up. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Based very much along the lines of what we just talked about in the previous category, I would say that there's quite a bit of this as well, but also real vibrato with R Rebecca Del Rio. I mean, incredible. That version's not on Spotify, by the way. That is Pretty upset video. about that. Yeah. I have it on an old iPad, iPod somewhere though. <laughs> But you can't play that on anything. I'm not allowed to. Uh, I always think Naomi Watts' performance, particularly in like the first like 90 minutes, is vibrato of like so much the ingenue. Mm -hmm. She she's yeah. very much Nancy Drewing it around Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Everything uh, at Club Silencio is vibrato. Yeah. That audition where they're singing that song with all the backup singers—that's very vibrato. Right. But also just like the David Lynch of it all, like the yeah, the mood of it. It's so. That's a, one thing I noticed this time. I don't know if, because maybe I've never, I don't know if I've ever seen this in like really nice HD before is the other thing, like <laughs> on a nice TV. The hitman's eyes are like two colors, like in the dream, but in the real world, they're the same color. They're like both blue. Huh. I have never noticed that before. Gotta watch it again. You gotta <laughs> get a good TV. <laughs> what does that mean? Who the hell knows? Um, oh, maybe in the dream, he was like both her eye color. Maybe it's her eye color is one of them. I don't know. Maybe something to look into. Look into. I'll find an <laughs> FAQ. Uh, so what do you want to give this for vibrato? 90? A 90. I'll go 97. 97. I think I'm going to go 100. I mean, it's almost the tone of it all is like the main reason you kind of. Right. Yeah. That's if you don't idea. understand the plot, just hold on to that tone. It'll get you yeah. through. <laughs> Ride the tone. Ride the tone. Uh, all right. The next category: footwork. Does walking in high heels in unison count as footwork? I would sure. say so. Some point. Have you seen those three? Those like four gays on a uh, Twitter, all dressed right. like that meme. witches. That yeah. meme where they're like walking. <laughs> all they do is walk towards the camera, pause, and then keep walking. 
I, I we'll send it to you. We'll it sounds great. It sounds great though. Yeah, <laughs> it's a fun meme. I'm hooked a, already. Um, yeah. the, uh, the opening credits where they're doing all that sort of swing dance. The Foxtrot. Oh yeah. 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 Where it's different dub people dancing, but you're seeing two and three versions of them doubled over, and it's that same blue background again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Means something. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that the Foxtrot contest she won, like in Canada? Yeah, I believe oh, I, so. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I think that's well. Maybe Rebecca. Del Rio's Death Drop, I guess, and I Miller, know, and Miller's and history of dance is not true. Really, <laughs> she no. bring, it brings she brings it with her whenever she, she does. There are so, some yeah. good walking through uh, apartment complexes. That counts for something. Yeah, yeah. So what do you want to get? Not a, not a lot of dance numbers in this no. though. Just the just the very opening. They get those out of the way. Although I would say the little people, the people running out of the box with their hands <laughs> waving over their head. That's a very deliberate, like, form of, it's a deliberate gate he gave them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 30, 30, 35? 35. 35. I was going to say 35 as well. Yeah. Wow. 35. Uh, we'll give it 35. Why not? Give it an average of 35, which is four points lower than the wedding singer. Ouch. <laughs> Imagine David Lynch has directed in The Wedding Singer. Now we got the movie. <laughs> All right. Our next category, Spank Bank Deposits. Anything in this you're fouling away to the Spank Bank? Not me, but clearly <laughs> other people might. Sure. Yeah. And clearly um, Diane is, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. We do have that scene of Naomi Watts crying while masturbating. Crying to the point, like, you're gonna put seriously? that in your spank bank. That's so upsetting. No, but she's, she is like, depositing something we're, in her spank we're, bank. We're watching her make that. withdrawal. She's making a withdrawal. Yeah. That's yeah. more okay. withdrawal than a deposit, oh, I would sorry. say. The category <laughs> is deposits. Crying to the point that her eyes are blurring <laughs> and you see her blurred vision <laughs> looking at the wall. It's very, very disturbing. It's a good PSA against masturbation, actually. Finally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it's just like maybe Billy Ray Cyrus in bed. That's about it, though. About it. It's pretty. So we're not allowed to answer for uh, people who would find women attractive. <laughs> well, you that's can. kind Absolutely. of the. But that is somewhat the norm in most movies. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there is a bit of the like the female on female gaze when they're like finally in bed together. Yeah, and then yeah. also the waitress at the diner checks out uh, one version of Betty or the I can't remember which one it is, but like she gives her she has like a nice little funky cool girl short haircut and i think that is supposed to be yeah. a lesbian like checking one of them out for a second that's what they do uh-huh <laughs> work at have diners cool hair, yeah. have cool hair and check out women yeah uh the hitman wouldn't kick him out of bed for eating crackers right oh, yeah make him shower but he's beefy he's still mm -hmm. um he actually has not really aged a whole lot he was uh he was on lost and he looks basically the same then that as he did back in 2001. Oh, Mark Pellegrino. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good looking guy. Well, so what do you want to give this for spank bank deposits? 41. 41. This is no leftovers. I'm, I'm going to go 22. 22. Yeah, I'm going to go 30. It's not not huge. And this given an average of 31. Someone has a fetish for Justin Thoreau splattered in pink paint specifically from this and they're withdrawing all the time. Yeah, <laughs> I do, but I, that's just me. So I don't want to have that effect as well. I don't feel like that's right. That's why I got a 30. <laughs> yeah. All right. Finally, the last of the canon, last of the canon categories on a scale of zero to a hundred, how likely are you to recommend Mulholland drive to a gay person? Very with the caveat of, 
if I think they're going to be offended by the fact that all the queer women die at the end of this movie, I would <laughs> not recommend it because a lot of people don't want to see that. I realize once you get past all the queer women being murdered, then it's a pretty good recommendation. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> It's also less disturbing, though, which says something. It's less disturbing than <laughs> Blue Velvet or like Eraserhead in some ways. Overall, yeah. Mm -hmm. with, 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 with some caveats, I would be fairly likely to recommend this to most gay people I know. Gay people love Hollywood. Mm -hmm. It's all mm -hmm. about the Hollywood machine. They love exactly. dreams. Mm -hmm. Love kitsch. <laughs> kitsch. Sure. We love singers. We, we love <laughs> theatrical presentations. We love people Wigs. auditioning for things. We love wigs. limo accidents. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so yeah. So what would you give it on a scale of zero to hundred? How likely? Based on my own experience, I'd say I'm ninety-one percent likely to recommend this to someone. Ninety-one. Yeah. I'll say eighty-three. Eighty-three. Uh, I would say ninety-four. I watched the Jorando scene three times today after oh. watching it. Just <laughs> I find it so powerful and moving. I don't know. It's just so like the dream is over. They're, just, they're holding on to I don't know. It just really affects. It's very powerful. It is. <laughs> Give an average of 89.33, which is about 51 points higher than the Ten Commandments. Yes. All right. This is your new god. <laughs> all right, now we are into the wheel category. So these are all categories that past guests have brought in, and we put them all on this wheel, which is an app on my phone, and we're going to spin it four times. Whatever categories randomly pop up, we will judge the movie on, and then you will come up with a category, okay. which we will add to the wheel. Remember that? Crossing my finger for dramatic haircut. <laughs> okay, wearing another's clothes. Wearing another person's clothes. We got a lot of that with Rita. A ton. And if you really think about them being the same person in the second reality, then you get an extra lot of that, too. Absolutely. And also, like, Betty is almost like the director mm -hmm. when she makes her change the wig and all that. She becomes, you know, she's like the puppet master almost of Rita. She is the director. If you think about this being her dream that we're watching, the exactly. The one who's directing the mm -hmm. entire thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a weird makeover scene right before they have sex. <laughs> I bet the. Yeah, is that what made you horny? It's like very vertigo. It's like, is this what made you horny? Is because <laughs> like you see a female moment? Yeah. yeah. What a, what a night altogether. <laughs> what a night they're having. <laughs> Saw a corpse, got a haircut, uh, went to a very strange performance downtown, and uh, had lesbian sex maybe for the first time. I haven't heard yet, but I do think Club Silencio is reopening in June. <laughs> oh. <laughs> there, I think there is one in Europe somewhere. Someone opened opened up a David Lynch themed bar in Europe that's very uh, artistically done. Yeah, it has well, to you'd be. have to be. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It's but not call, just a Spanish style apartment. Be... <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. And a diner. No, I, and I think I believe it's called Club Silencio. Makes sense. Great. They already had the uh, quarantine seating. You know what I mean? People were already, nobody was sitting together. Everyone was pretty spread out already. Not not a sellout show. No, no, not popular. No. Mm -mm. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot of this, just swapping identities and all that kind of yeah. stuff. So what would you give this for wearing another person's clothes? 98%. 98. I'll give it an 84. 84. Um, John's saying it's no persona. I'll give it a 90. Give it an average of 90.67, which is four points higher than what, I don't know why I'm saying, which is four points higher than the score Best at Show got for Bulges. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> well, here we go. Bondage. Bondage. Mm. Well, I guess it'd be like emotional bondage in some ways. Like, 
Betty is bonded to uh, Rita, (laughs) Camilla, the real Camilla in some ways. She can't, she's trapped by her. Uh, They are trapped in fictional reality at the beginning. And when, so when they're at Club Silencio, and uh, if you think that this is all Betty's dream that she's holding together, something about Club Silencio where they're like, there isn't a band, there isn't an orchestra, this is all fake, it's all performance, and Betty starts shaking uncontrollably, and mm. Rita has to grab her to make her stop shaking. That's true. I think it's because her hold on this whole reality is about to break up because the performance art is just too good, and she's losing <laughs> yeah. sense of herself. But that counts for like a point and a half. <laughs> sure. Yeah. There's also like rumbling on the soundtrack that you hear, like it seems like the whole world's about to collapse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there any actual like tying up? People get held, I guess, like when uh, the director. I mean, I, you could man say handles his wife a little bit. Mm-hmm. You could also say that the the producer guys are bonding Justin throughout. Like they're like, you have to make this movie with this actress. Maybe sure. there's something I, with that. Like control and um, like power. Yeah. Like uh, people who are wielding power from uh, invisible places is a big theme in the movie. So that counts for another point. Also, now. Betty and Camilla. <laughs> Betty over Camilla is kind of she has all the power in that dynamic. Yeah, she's kind of her captor because Rita doesn't have another place to stay and doesn't know who she is. So right. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. You, you guys make a good argument. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's no bound. No. <laughs> have you done that yet? You must have done that yet. No. Nope, no one's brought it in. No one's brought, it no in. One's brought in. That's gonna win. Jesus Christ. <laughs> we'll see. Hello? Huh. So, someone. Someone get on that. Okay. <laughs> How's the footwork though? Are there feet? I bound? remember there's a lot of paint splatter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So what would you give this for bondage? I'm gonna say 65. 65 <laughs> up there with the third 50 shades. Uh, I will say 27. 27. Yeah, just because the fact we gotta have somewhere to go if someone does <laughs> make the misguided decision to bring in a 50 shades movie. Uh, so I'll give it a 25. Give her an average of 39. Meh. I wonder if Dune, like how camp, that's got to be campier than Mulholland Drive. It's rough. It's it's a rough watch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe the I used one. to have the storybook as a kid, though, like you would get from like the Scholastic Book Fair. Oh, that's. Yeah, the pictorial storybook of Dune. And I would like flip through the, like, I think that's the best way to experience David Lynch's Dune. <laughs> it's just the, the photo storybook. Because <laughs> I was like, this movie looks amazing. Yeah. <laughs> okay, here we go. Cheerworthy cameos. Lee Grant. Lee Grant. Lee Grant. Mm-hmm. Also, Rena Riffle. Rena mm-hmm. Riffle, Showgirls, and her director of Showgirls 2. Mm-hmm. She directed Showgirls 2. I did not yes. know that. And wrote it, I think. <laughs> wrote and directed, yeah. Oh, because it's all about her character, right? She wrote mm-hmm. a yeah. sequence. Good for Penny, her. You know right? what? Good, Penny, yeah, yeah, good for Penny. Penny's from Heaven. It's called Penny's from Heaven. That's, true. That's yeah. exactly what it should have been called if you're making that movie about yourself. <laughs> she did a great job. Uh, who else? She did everything correctly. Lee Grant and Rena Riffle were the only two I mean, that I got. Robert Forster. Oh, that's true. He's in one scene. He's in one scene. Yeah, it's weird that he's even, it's weird that he's billed as high as he is in this movie because he just is completely absent from the movie. The guy in the Winkies scene, he's like that one guy who's been like a million things. Right. He's back at the, the end story. now. Very briefly. Right. That's still not a cameo. Um, <laughs> Pink's Hot Dog? <laughs> Certain locations were. I did say, oh, Pink's Hot Dog. <laughs> In this scene with Rena Riffle, there's a there's a Yellowstone clothing that's apparent in the background. I'm like, I remember that. I don't think it exists anymore. Um, that, but yeah, no, no. Mm-mm. What was Yellowstone clothing? It was a, a overpriced vintage shop that uh, you went to when you wanted to be cool in your early 20s and didn't realize how much you're being gouged for like old t-shirts. Oh, no, forty dollars. <laughs> no, thank yeah. you. So, what do you want to give this for? Cheerworthy cameos. 
39. I was very excited for both Rena Riffle and Lee Grant, so I'm going to go 66. All your life, John. You're All my life. For Rena Riffle. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll go 39 as well, giving an average of 41.33. And then we're into wheel category number two or four. Mm-hmm. I'll shut up. <laughs> Openly weeping. Well, well <laughs> there's a performance of the song Yorondo. Um, yeah. So that, that counts for a lot. Um, yeah. Christurbating. Christurbating, which yeah. is not masturbating to Christ. No. So we're clear. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the, they're crying while watching the performance of Yorondo. They yeah. are. Mm-hmm. Those are pretty iconic moments within the, the movie as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't really, none other come to mind because. Does she cry right before she? Uh, spoiler alert, shoots herself. Uh, she's screaming, yeah, she's scream, screaming, screaming, crying. That counts as something, yeah. Mm-hmm. Crying out, she's not thrilled, <laughs> <laughs> she's not smiling, she's not happy to see Irene at all. No, yeah, your beloved is that that's her aunt, though, right? That's her, not the people from the airplane, or is that the people from the airplane? Those are the people no, from no. the airplane. Um, the aunt is Aunt Ruth, and we only see her. Oh, right, right, right. And when she shows up again, the second no, time. I mean, yes. that's not the people, but who are the people at the very beginning when she's like the foxtrot? You see her like in that white glow and two old people at her side. I think that is actually the people from the plane. I believe it is. Yeah, that's should, the transition to the plane, I think. Yeah. Well, what do you want to get this for openly weeping? I'll give it a 85. 85. I'll go 71. 71. I mean, 79. All right. Give an average of 78.33. All right, Drew, the time has come for you to add a category, which we can use to judge Mulholland Drive, and then every subsequent movie as it will be added to the wheel. So John sent me the list, and he had a good look, and I don't believe this is represented so far, but Snobophil? Like okay. four snobs, like mm-hmm. because this is a movie where if someone's like, I didn't like it, you can be like, oh, you didn't actually get it. Here, let me explain. <laughs> First of all, it's one of those movies that like a person can sound like a very cultured jackass if like, in a condescending explanation of why this movie actually is good, despite what your stupid mind might think. And <laughs> there's a lot of like, I, gay people, gay people love doing this. So. It's like a Fraser Quaint, a Fra- Fraser Crane element. Fraser Twain, yes. Fraser Twain. Twain, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or just like any like culture like homosexual who is always like, here, I'll teach you everything about it. I'm I'm gonna do this nice thing and tell you all about this thing. You did not ask me to explain to it you. It exhausts yeah. me to do this, but I'll do it anyways. <laughs> I shouldn't it's have of, to. Yeah, it's sort of like gay mansplaining, I guess. Yes. Yeah, that is the <laughs> best actual explanation. I think women could also do it, but men do it a lot more often. Mary splaining? Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. Very splitting. Yeah, I'm, I'm good at that. Yeah. A very real gay problem that we have to confront. <laughs> <laughs> so what would you give Mulholland Drive for snob appeal? I would give it a solid like 90 because a lot of people get frustrated by this film because of all the reasons we talked about. Yeah. No. Yeah, I will go 90 as well. 90. I mean, yeah, it's David Lynch. He's uh, NPR can't get enough. Uh, I'll give it a 90, give it an average of 90. I mean, if the French adore you, what more do you need to know? All right, now we are into the bonus category. These categories are just bonus. So it works rating from zero to 10. If it doesn't do well, it's not going to affect the movie negatively in any of these categories. These are just extra bonus categories. So again, Mm -hmm. zero to 10 for these. Mm -hmm. All right, so this first one, musical potential. Could they make Mulholland Drive the musical? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
if Rockwell did it, I would go. If RIP, <laughs> I, I would go see it. It's not a show that Rockwell would probably ever do. <laughs> music from like by the Spice Girls or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it lends itself. There's the whole Hollywood aspect of it too. And mm -hmm. love obsession. I mean, these are themes. Mm -hmm. uh, musicals like, am I wrong? John looks pained by this conversation. I wouldn't say pained. I'm just trying to think of like what the musical world of this musical version of Mulholland Drive would be. Like, what is the tone of it? I think, I mean, it would like- it Maybe like a not... cabaret? I think it would be comedy? 50s, 60s um, pop jukebox musical, which might not actually be good, but that's probably what they would go with on first impulse. All Connie Stevens music? No, oh, maybe. <laughs> Have you heard her vacation? Ah, that is a fun song. <laughs> I mean, you you definitely, I mean, obviously anything can be a musical, so sure. <laughs> I'm just, you, didn't say, you didn't say good musical. It's like, right, exactly. That's yeah. true. Yes. <laughs> This, be like this, more, this would really have to lean into like the dream ballet of musical. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think it would be really tough to feel like, oh, the, the musical version like brings, like raises it up or like it somehow elevates it in some way. Like I don't see, I think it's sort of like with Sunset Boulevard, like there is a musical of it, but it's like, meh, it's not my, good. My belief that there could be a musical version of this is probably wholly reliant on the fact that there is a musical version of Sunset Boulevard. Gotcha. Yeah, there that's you probably go. it. Yeah. So what would you give this for zero to 10? For musical potential. Six. six. <laughs> Did I hear a six? Yeah. <laughs> I heard a six. Yeah, I'll say five. Obviously you could, but I don't think anyone who, anyone who would want to see a musical version of Mulholland Drive would not actually want to see a musical version of Mulholland Drive. I think it'd make a better ballet than a musical. Like Modern I could see almost piece. like a ballet, like just right, right. strip out like the dialogue and just do, mm -hmm. you know, I think flipping, you... spinning. If you tried to make a musical of this, David Lynch would send someone very scary to your house to convince you that you should not do this. And that person would probably break your brain. So I, that, that, yeah. I would send the cowboy. They force yeah. you to do some like three hour meditation. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'll, you know, I'm going to give it a seven for musical potential. That's nice of you. Be plucky, somebody. <laughs> um, if Amanda Palmer wasn't so terrible, she'd probably love to do it. Um, give it an average of six in musical potential. All right, next category. Queer menace. Are there any queer menaces in Mulholland Drive? Yeah. Yes. I mean, isn't that kind of what Betty is ultimately? The, the entire movie is um, like, I, I mean, the, one of the reasons it's problematic is that uh, it's kind of vilifying lesbian lust in a really gross way. Um, but once he gets back that, it's a, it's a good movie. But like, she's very much so <laughs> a menace. Her unrequited love for Rita or Camilla or whoever she is um, ends up killing them both. So it's bad. In some ways, it is similar to Windows in that regard. Somewhat, yeah. Have you seen I would Windows? Think this is it's more another like, like lesbian, the lesbian cruising. Think of it. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> okay. I, I, is it, wait, is it good? Should I watch it? It's uh, worth watching, no. I would say. I, it's not good, but you should watch it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, I would say actually different. I feel like Naomi Watts is like the innocent who comes to Hollywood and is corrupted by lesbianism. I mm -hmm. think that's what she tells herself, but I don't think sure. that's the reality. I think I came to LA with the best of intentions as this is how you treat me. Right. I would also argue Camilla Rita is maybe a bisexual menace. If you think about her breaking Diane's heart to marry the director, but like at the dinner party, she still kisses Camilla too on the mouth in front of Betty. And she's just flaunting the fact Toying that like, with her. I'm not yeah. giving you this. I'm giving it to everyone else but you. Terrible. A real Crystal Connors. <laughs> 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 Marks. So one lesbian for... reference. <laughs> <laughs> what would you give this for um, Queer Menace? 
10. It's a whole movie. A 10. I'll give it an eight. Eight. Uh, I'll give it a 10. It is the whole movie. And also the old people just coming at you. That is a queer menace. <laughs> give an average of 9.33 in queer. Men- All right. Next category. Character actress makes a big swing. I mean, there's a couple. There's the the manager of that cleaning company who was bit by a bug. That's a pretty big swing. I think Lee, Lee Grant, Grant definitely. yes. Ann Miller, right in her wheelhouse. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't say she's a big swing. No, not at all. I wouldn't say. She's playing herself. She, she didn't know the cameras were on. That, that was just yeah. her being <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's about it, though. Yeah. I don't know if Rena Riffle is, is even really a character actress, really. I mean, and is she outside her element? And I think she's doing exactly, you know. Yeah. yeah. This you could be the same really hard. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah. Done. Yeah. So, what do you want to give this for? Character actress makes a big swing. Six. Six. Yeah. I'll go four. Four. I was also going to go four. Giving it a four point six seven. Uh, next area, witches. How witchy is this? What, Lee Grant again. Lee Grant. Lee Grant again. We got that weird person behind Winkies. And Winkies. Mm-hmm. I was thought I wrote down Ann Miller is kind of like a jazz witch. Mm-hmm. Okay, go on. <laughs> she looks like a jazz era witch. Okay, that's like a Fleischer okay, cartoon. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> I okay. So uh, David Lynch does have a boner for Wizard of Oz. You don't really see it in this movie. You see it ba- basically everything else he's ever done. And I'm thinking about it. I'm like, oh, Lee Grant is like scary witch, and yeah, uh, Ann Miller's like the good witch who's like watching out for uh, Dorothy and trying to protect her from all the stuff that's like scary out there in Los Angeles. There's the that. two poles of the compass. So there's what do you want to give the blue-haired this... lady? And she there's something sort of witchy about her. Mm-hmm. Mysterious. Seen over everything. Mm-hmm. There eight. was one IMDb trivia point that says she's sitting in the same spot where Lincoln sat. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, great. Someone thought that and someone was so excited to put that on there. And now you made them feel bad about themselves. Yeah. I like scrolling to the very bottom of the IMDb trivia section where they're the least people have voted them least helpful. That's where the gems yeah. are. Once you go past that, this person was also in a movie with this other person. Like, yeah. This is really illuminated this movie for me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll go seven. Wait, did I get your score, Drew? I think it's at eight. Eight. Uh, yeah, I'll give it an eight. Uh, give it an average of 7.67. 7. All right, next category. This one might be tough. Gay actors playing gay roles. Well, Naomi Watts, no. 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 And um, Laura Herring is technically a countess. She's yeah. married to a count. Yeah. Her title is, she still retains the title of Countess von Bismarck Schnonhausen. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't let that go. And yeah. she was in Silent Night, Deadly Night 3. That was the best one. I didn't know there was a. I did. I did. I, I no. I that that is news to me. Um, you got to watch two. Silent Night Deadly Night two is fun right, and includes it, twenty minutes of footage of Silent Night Deadly Night one, so you don't need to see one. You could go straight to two. I love that. That is so it's thoughtful efficient. of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah um, I, I believe all the women in this movie are heterosexual in real life, unfortunately. So the number I'm hearing is a. I'll give a one for being a contessa because that's kind of gay, but like, that's, sure. that's, that's, that's it. Uh, I'm going to have to go zero, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm also going to go zero, giving an average of 0.33, tying it with I, Tanya. <laughs> All right, our next category, themes of mothers. There's a lot of maternal older women. Yes. In this movie. There's Lady from the Plane, there's sure. Aunt Ruth, there's Coco. And then yeah. Coco actually ends up becoming the mother of the director. Adam's mother, yeah. And she's no longer maternal towards no, Eddie. No. 
anti-mon. <laughs> but there's no like themes about like trying to win the mother's love or like bestowing your love on your child. They don't even really mention mothers at all. Like no one even has a couple like a ants. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot it's, of ants. Mother stand-ins mostly. Um, yeah. Mother's mm. not, a, unless you think of themes of creation, like she's creating in her dream. This is a bit big stretch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Co-host makes a big swing. Um, yeah. Yeah. So what do you want to give it for themes of mothers? Two for mom stand-ins. <laughs> Two for mom stands. I'll give it a one for mom stands. Uh, I'm also going to give it a one. Give it an average of 1.33. All right. Our next one, Pearl Clutching. Were people so, morally scandalized in this? Like, Does this mean people watching the movie or people in the movie reacting to stuff in the universe of the movie? Could be both. Could be both. I think, well, first of all, um, Ann Miller's wearing a lot of pearls. She is. She does. She loves, she she's does not afraid of chunky pieces. And then at the very first scene, Rita has pearl earrings and there's a thing with the detectives. They're like, someone lose a, because there was a pearl earring was missing or found on someone. So, and they have it in a bag, don't they? He's yeah. like holding it up so in a bag. So holding a, a pearl. Clutching that pearl. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and also I would say Coco is not happy to see Rita in the apartment. She's like, what's going on here? Right. She's got pearl right. clutchy energy. Um, that's about it. No, people aren't too scandalized in this movie. Well, there's what's his name, uh, David Fischler, the guy who tells the story when he's uh, confronted by that burnt, crazy homeless woman. There's yeah. something sort of, oh, my goodness, about that. So, oh, my goodness, he dies. <laughs> Presumably. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Uh, as close as I can think of in movie to like a metaphorical pearl clutching is when they find the corpse and uh, Betty <laughs> yeah. has to put her hand over Rita's mouth to keep her from screaming. And then when they run out of the apartment, they are so discombobulated that you see them fracture into a bunch of like faded versions of themselves that then coalesce again. That's mm -hmm. as close as like an over the top like reaction in that style at all. It's not pearl clutching though, is it? No. no. <laughs> no. Yeah. This is me thinking on, thinking on my feet. It's a bad idea. Great. It's yeah. what we do on a <laughs> podcast. Doing, That's yeah. all we do. I prepare everything before I talk about wow. it. Completely oh. scripted. Like, map it all out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's a lot of work. Uh, so what do you want to give this for pearl clutching? Mm, three. A three. Yeah, I'll give it a three as well. I'm also going to give it a three. Give it an average of... Three, tying it with Waiting for Guffman. All right, this is the last of the bonus categories. Quips. How quippy is Mulholland Drive? Call Me Coco, Everyone Does is not really a quip. That's true. Um, does it count as a quip when Betty asks Rita if she's ever had sex with a woman before? And she says, I don't know. She said, I wrote that one down. <laughs> it's, 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 it's really funny. It's really funny. Yeah. Yeah. Could it's you like imagine, a horny quip. Can you imagine if you became amnesic and had to figure out you were gay all over again? That would be... A lot of work. Oh, coming out again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do it right this time. <laughs> Invitations, a party, really nice venue. Uh, but it's not like the funniest movie you've ever seen. No, <laughs> not, there's not, not, not a lot of, there's not even like, to me, like that many iconic lines. No, not really. No, it's not. Yeah. yeah. So what do you want to give it for quips? Two. A two. <laughs> I'll give it a one. A one. Yeah, I'll give it a one. Give it an average of 1.33. Tying it with the Beastmaster. Okay. That is, um, as of the recording, that was the most recent episode I listened to, and it was very, very delightful. At first I was like, I don't know who these guests are at all. And then I realized what you guys were doing, and it was such nice listen. Oh, oh. thank you. I will let your, let my mom and my aunt let know. Let Puddy know. <laughs> she loves to hear it. She loves to compliment. Who doesn't? Why, 
Why is her name Putty? Is that her actual name? Uh, that is not her legal name, but she's been called that her entire life. It's one of those sort of weird stories and no one's really sure. The story that okay. her family had tells is that when she was very young, everyone had nicknames for her. And then it was got to the point where like, we all have to just like my, my, you know, my grandfather, her, my grandmother and her aunts and stuff like that. So the story they tell is that they put her in a circle. They put her in the middle of a circle and they all called her their different nickname and whoever she went to, that was the nickname they were going to do. My grandfather used to call her my little puddin. And so that became Puddy. So that became her name. Wow. She's had that her her whole life and literally like her entire life everyone calls what her. a ritualistic way to determine <laughs> yeah <laughs> so it's very hunger games yeah yeah <laughs> mm -hmm. uh speaking of rituals now we're into the iconic categories so these are more broad uh umbrella categories we're back to zero to a hundred for these yes the first one, how would you rate Mulholland Drive on a scale of 0 to 100 in homoeroticism? How homoerotic is this movie? So you guys do use homoerotic to mean attraction between two women, yes? Of course. Oh. Yes. Two same-sex couples. Anything, I, just anything that's not straight The, the, the normal stuff, not the normal stuff. Yeah, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say um, 90 because it's most of the movie. Right? I mean, just like seeing when she finds her in the shower and kind of lingers a bit. A little bit. Yeah, that's like a hint. Maybe you get it some. Maybe I'll drop it down to like eighty because it does take a while to actually get there. But once you get there, it is the thing you are in for the rest of the film. So yeah, I agree with that. But it still feels very straight male depiction of it. So it I'm does. gonna go seventy-two. Seventy-two. Uh, I'm gonna give it a eighty. I think yeah. Given an average of seventy-seven point thirty-three. All right, our next category: over-the-top wardrobe. Coco. Again, Coco. Coco. We got the robe that Rita wears. Mm -hmm. um, I think Naomi Watts' sparkly pink sweater is very, it feels like it's out of like an Archie comic. You know, she's like Betty. It does. Her Sometimes her stuff is very period looking. And the other time it just looks like something they bought at a Delia's catalog. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> there were some points where it looked like she was like a Hitchcock movie, which is probably intentional. Right. Like when she's in that gray suit, it's very like vertigo. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, also, Mrs. Silencio. And Rebecca Del Rio, of and course. Rebecca Del, Del Rio. Rio. That is extreme over the top. The MC at uh, Club mm -hmm. Silencio. Mm -hmm. Sure. I waited to talk about, but the guy who plays the uh, trumpet and then <laughs> reveals he's been, <laughs> it's a lip sync the whole time. Yeah. Very funny. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but this isn't like crazy. It is, it's, it did surprise me how like 90s some of the clothes looked. Yeah. Especially yeah. Justin Thoreau. Yeah. Right. Uh, so what do you want to give this for over the top wardrobe? 57. 57. I'll go 62. 62. Ann Miller doing all the heavy lifting. Yeah. Here. Basically. That pink sweater. I really, I kind of want one. <laughs> but you, pink I'm is not sure a good color for me. <laughs> I think you just have to go to Old Navy. It's right there for you. <laughs> then I'd have to Give stone it. Yeah. <laughs> Give an average of 58. Finally, the last of the iconic categories camp factor. How campy is Mulholland Drive? Yeah, that's the heartbreaker is that I do not think this is actually a very campy movie. It is a kitsch movie. It is not camp. And if a gay director made this movie, it would be campy as fuck. And I <laughs> think that's probably something that David Lynch might be like allergic to on some level is he doesn't actually, even though he sometimes does queer stuff, he doesn't do camp, I don't think. So there's a couple of moments I feel like those, that the couple that she meets on the plane when they're driving away and they're grinning really big, that feels sort of like campy to me. Mm -hmm. and even like Club Silencio has like a camp, like a seedy campness to it, I would say. True. 
I thought just hiding mysterious money in a hat box. There's something sort of camp about that. Hiding anything like illicit <laughs> in a hat box is that you're right. You're it's not right. a hat, right? <laughs> Even using a hat box for a hat is pretty yeah. campy. I would say. <laughs> Any hat box is camp. Uh, I got a quick list of campy things I can go through really quickly. Here we go: Joyride, sleeping in the bushes, a diner called Winkies, making friends with a wonderful older couple on the plane, being asked to be called Coco, the piercing stance, the piercing stare of Dan Hedaya, making a big show of not liking your espresso, the fight <laughs> scene between the lady in the next office and the hapless hitman, the delicious sound of Rita's leather purse unzipping, Pink's hot dog, catching your wife in bed with Billy Ray Cyrus. Is there anything campier than pouring pink paint into a jewel? jewelry box, a very intense <laughs> casting process, writing lines in your bathrobe, a director's notes not making any sense, an ashtray shaped like a piano, Ann Miller handling pecans with her bright red nails, mm -hmm. referring to a headshot as an actor's photo resume. And finally, the two very petite people who come out of the <laughs> little old box. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. There's you some stuff. A, you, you, that, you, you have a better eye for camp than I do, I think. <laughs> I keep notes. It's very true. Yeah. <laughs> So what would you give it? Based on that, uh, I'll say I'll give it a 71. 71. That's surprising after how much you said it wasn't camp. You, yeah. I'm very, I'm very, I, you were very persuasive and also I'm very suggestible. <laughs> Good to know. I will give it a 37. 37. John coming in with the hammer. <laughs> also, it's, it ends so bummer. I don't know. I'll give it a 50. I think it's like kind of right in the middle. Giving an average of 52.67. Finally, we're into the crown jewel. So these categories we don't rate. We all agree it either gets the bonus or it doesn't. Yes. So this first one, a 15% bonus for a positive portrayal of homosexuality. Does Mulholland Drive have a positive portrayal of homosexuality? You're shaking your head no. already. <laughs> not I even going to try to make the argument. Nope. Not not going to do it. This is not, not, not worth it. No. Doesn't end well. Homosexuality yeah. kills you. That's what this movie tells yeah. you. Yeah. It drives you insane. <laughs> um, and then finally, negative 50% of all the points if this is the movie Boat Trip. This is not the movie Boat Trip, so it will not lose 50% of its points. Hey. All right. That's it. We're done. All right, Drew, so now that we've gone through it, do you still think that it has ended up somewhere in the 70s? I would guess that, yeah. All right. All right. Well, I will tell you exactly how it did out of a total possible 2,464.26 points. Mulholland Drive has scored 1,843.26, giving it a percentage of 74.80, yes. making it the 18th gayest movie ever. Not as gay as Edward Scissorhands, but gayer than Labyrinth. Nice. That kind of makes 20. sense being between those yeah, two movies. Yeah, I'm pretty. I'm pretty comfortable with that. Yeah, I, I <laughs> didn't didn't fuck this up. Yeah, you'd 18 is pretty good. Top That's 20. Pretty good. Top 20. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm happy. Yeah, <laughs> you did it. Um, well, well I wonder if you think there's a David Lynch movie that would score higher, or do you think this is? You guys should do um, the new Twin Peaks because that is technically an 18-hour movie, and I, I can't know. wait to hear you do that. <laughs> Maybe on the Patreon. <laughs> Maybe uh, Fire no, Walk With Me. People make the case for that one a lot. Really? Mm, I've never seen it. I wouldn't. I would not make that case. Uh, yeah, I. I wouldn't either. I just. I would say this probably is his gayest movie, um, saving Eraserhead's like fear of procreation. Um, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, great, Drew. What a great delight. movie. What a fun movie to revisit. So nice to have you here. Is there anything you'd like to plug, promote, or shield for at this time? 
As we said earlier, uh, gayest episode ever is the name of my podcast. If you type that in anywhere, you'll find it. It is a TV show. It is a TV show. It is a podcast where we talk about <laughs> gay episodes of classic sitcoms. We've done almost all of them. I hope to have both of these gentlemen, uh, ideally, like individually, uh, to pick an episode of TV that they would like <laughs> to talk sure. about in the future. We'd like to have you on the show. Um, but like we've covered most of the... If you like TV, we've probably done a show you give a shit about. And we, I swear, we don't suck. We, we, we really don't suck. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. It's quite a pull quote. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. We'll be right back. We're back. Mystery. <laughs> and you hate plot holes. I don't like plot holes, but I feel like with David Lynch, as I said before, like you kind of have to go like, oh, it's you're not getting that. So once you let go it's of that, it's fine. Yeah, I think it, but it can be frustrating when something's like, oh, there's a thing, there's a mystery or there's a thing to figure out. And especially when they do a bad job of it or it doesn't work out the way they think they are, it's sort of annoying. Uh, Sure. Don't you think that sometimes? I only care about plot holes in movies I don't like. But maybe like that's a movie what I love and like the them. plot. I don't think it does. No, because like there are movies I do like that have plot holes, but I just don't care about them. Gotcha. Like it doesn't gotcha. really matter. That's not the point of the movie. You know what I mean? Like they've won like, you over in other ways. So that yeah, that there's so much you. more that has to offer than just the plot. You know? Sure, but I think you can offer those things and still have a solid plot. Yeah, but I don't necessarily like, think it's an automatic detriment. I don't think gotcha. it's an automatic fail or a strike. Well, then I you. love a mood. You really do love a mood. I piece. love a set piece. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you love a tone. I love a Pretty tone. Well you said I have a tone. You do. It's true. God forbid. Speaking of tones, we got a review on iTunes uh, from No Way Apple Podcast app. That's quite a very interesting uh, name. Oh. Uh, five stars, but they say, I'm so sorry. And they say, I feel like I'm required to leave you five stars after you had to read my best my bf's very drunk incomplete email on why you should cover the producers but also mm. y'all are my favorite you deserve all the praise well thank you well, no that's way nice. apple podcast app i'm sorry to hear that you're spiraling that sounds like <laughs> <laughs> i don't do you remember this email the producers i think it was one of the many submissions we had oh oh, oh for our yeah i don't episode. think we read it online but yes i haven't seen either version of the producers Oh, you haven't seen really? The original producers is, is pretty great. Yeah, with Zero Mustel and Gene Wilder. Yeah, I, I mean, there's some I just haven't there's seen some it. like elements of it that are kind of dated, but overall, I think it's a pretty Mel great. Brooks movie has dated Isn't that crazy? elements. I know. Can you imagine? <laughs> I, I can't. <laughs> Do you, but I mean, were you on, a fan of the musical? Uh, not particularly. I don't think it improved on the uh, the movie that much. The original. Even movie. what about the stage show, like of the producers? That's what I mean. I haven't seen the movie oh. of the stage of the producers. Oh, you like didn't gotcha. even bother. Right. I, I mean, I saw, I saw, I not to brag, but I did see it with the original cast. What was interesting is I saw it the week that it had opened, after it had opened, and the reviews were like insane and through the roof. And I will say this, the cast of the show was like the most fearless cast I've ever seen. Like the reviews were like, this show will cure cancer. This show will, you know, bring about world peace. Like the reviews for that show were just insane. And the cast, you could, this whole cast was like so confident in everything they did because like the audiences were like loving it and it was great. Uh, I thought everyone in it was great in the way that I've seen them be great in other shows, but no sure. one like surprised me in a way. Like I was like, Nathan Lane was great, but he's been great in <laughs> he lots was of so other outrageous. things. Right, yeah. you know, Matthew Broderick <laughs> gave the performance that I've seen him give in plenty of other shows and stuff sure. like that. But overall I was sort of underwhelmed by it. 
So the only thing it produced was apathy for you. Right. I mean, I would have loved to have invested in it because it's hugely successful, but I don't think it's a great show. Well, the reviews are in. That's my, well, my reviews in. (laughs) 20 years after the fact. Yeah. (laughs) I won't bother to watch it. I've gone by this long without seeing it. You'll be fine. I I would say, I would definitely say check out the original though. I almost wonder if it's like the avatar of um, musicals in a way of like it had a big impact at the time, but then oh, there's like the on. interest has just like dwindled since then. Like, is anyone, is there any talk of like reviving the producers? You know? I think what happened with the producers is that once Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick left, it's the box office suffered so well. And so it has this sense they of were without those two, it's not as good of a show, even though it has been successful in other places. I think that, I think also just the sensibilities of stuff have changed right now. Like, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. A revival it doesn't feel like a, there's a pressing need for exactly, it. Exactly, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm actually interested because like uh, with, uh, not the producers, but with Avatar, because I agree with what you're saying. Like when it was out, it was this thing that everyone talked about and was so beloved, but no one seems to think about it now. But I, I wonder if people will... That was a movie that I remember saying, like, I'm going to see this in 3D IMAX because it is a movie that was, like, created to be that way sure. as opposed to, like, the, the trend of a while, like, just make it 3D and charge more money. Right, right. Did, well, that's know, what started. Matter. Yeah, that yeah. trend. And so I remember thinking the, I didn't love it, but I remember thinking, like, it was visually fun to see it that way and that the, I think James Cameron, his scripts are solid. Like, they're, like, he, everything works, but nothing was, like, that exciting to me. But I also wonder if, but I mean, it was, it was like huge. the Navi or just like a bunch of dorks, if you ask me. <laughs> well, I also I mean, saw what I, I saw it since then. So. I had a lazy eye at the time. So I could, <laughs> what is, I wore. What is this story? I had a lazy eye around. I didn't know that. I had it fixed in uh, 2008. I had surgery okay. on it. Okay. So I, I would wear this 3D glasses and like things would be clear, but not 3D. Oh, interesting. Huh. So I, I had to put the glasses when you were on like, just I've got to, to get see this the fixed. movie. I've to, I'm going to miss out on Avatar. Um, but it wasn't fixed by then, so it was just clear. So it was just IMAX. So it was just like, so I wasn't like swept up in the visual, sure. the 3D element. I was like, that's fair. Okay. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it'd be interesting to see if people care when it comes back. Maybe they will. Who knows? I bet they will. I mean, people, people love experiences. I mean, it, it definitely seems like a, his movies, I mean, these movies specifically are meant to be seen in a huge theater with, you know what I mean? Like, I think it will be successful. And you know, I love a theatrical experience. You do. A nice big crowd. Hopefully a big we'll crowd. be able to do that again. When this Hopefully. Fingers well, crossed. by the time these movies aren't coming out yeah. for another four years. So. <laughs> really? Yeah, well, it's going to be a while. But no, it's not going to be a while. Our next episode. Oh, that's right. It's not going to be four what years away. Mark, remind me what we're doing. It's inconceivable to me. <laughs> That I have to remind you. That's true. It's the Princess Bride. So exciting. Somerset Maud. I forget what the name or Gildensterns. The author's name is like, I think the official name of the book is like Gildensterns, A Princess Bride. I think we're getting uh, in the weeds here. Yes. <laughs> Save this for next week. Save it. <laughs> um, will that be gay? I don't think so, but we'll see. We'll see. Who knows? Who knows? But that's it. We'll see you next time. You can follow yes. us on Twitter and Instagram at Two Old Queens, T W O Old Queens. Follow me on Letterboxd, where I maintain the current movie rankings. Yes, yeah, so or you can email us at Two Old Queens, T W O Old Queens. Let us know if you have any thoughts or questions or suggestions. Uh, we also have merch. If you go to T Public and search for Two Old Queens, there's a lot of stuff you can buy there. And a percentage of the proceeds uh, goes to help the o- Okra Project. So you're not just buying merch, you're helping people out. And finally, we also have a Patreon. If you want another episode of this every week for just $5 a month, you can get that. Right now, we are going through our series of all the Spider-Man movies to figure out which is the gayest. Spooky. Ooh.
but that's right. it. We'll see you next time. Stay safe. Get that shot if you haven't already. Come on. Who hasn't gotten the shot by now? Yeah. Don't go to a rave yet. It's not time. We're not there yet. Unless you're in Australia, I guess. Yeah. Smart. All right. That's it. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Now it's time for credits. We got music by Danny Cohen. Artwork by Conrad Shin. And special thanks to Alex Archer and Mike Rennie. Bye. We didn't get that right. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.